Welcome to Council for Unplugged. This is the podcast of our Council for AFSCME Union. We proudly represent 30,000 workers in the public and private sector. I'm Larry Dorman at Council for, and we have a special guest today. He is none other than Jody Barr, the new executive director of Council for. And Jody, welcome to Council for Unplugged podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And Jody uh, was elected May 11th by the Delegate Assembly of Council 4 to serve a four-year term as our executive director. He succeeds Sal Luciano, uh, who retired uh, that evening and who was on our last podcast. Jody, congratulations. Welcome aboard. What made you want to be the executive director of Council 4? Uh, wow, that's a, that should be an easy question, but, but truthfully, it, it's not. I... Um I had watched what had gone on with the union for quite some time. You know, I joined in 1997 um, from the state university system, and you know, you just become more and more involved. And as I, you know, went from a local president to the executive board of Council Four. Um, sadly, when when Clark passed, I, I filled his shoes. Um, Clark King. Yep. And I, uh, when the president or the executive director position became vacant. You know, we kind of looked around and uh, tried to figure out who was going to be the best person to fill the shoes of Sal. And uh, I received a lot of support, and I was I was honored to be sort of chosen as the one to, to run for that position. And let's talk about uh, your background, because it certainly reinforces the, the idea that we represent quite a, a diverse cross-section of, of workers in Connecticut. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you were doing at the time you became executive director? Sure. So I started with the state as actually a student worker um, attending Central Connecticut State University, you know, right out of high school. Uh, after about three and a half years, I, you know, wasn't on the best track for graduation. And I uh, enlisted in the Army National Guard, went away to basic training, received some training in um, telecommunications, came back to the university, you know, at the end of my training and basic training while I was a member of the National Guard, enrolled in... Uh, Back in Central, eventually received a degree and got a job there within the union running telecommunications. So I did that for the system um, for about 13 years, and then I was moved over to Eastern, uh, at which point I got more involved in the union and I became local president. And uh, at that point, my title was information to, or, um, voice systems analyst. At Eastern Connecticut State University? Correct. Jody, you take over Council 4 at an incredibly challenging time for unions, for the labor movement, for all working people. One of those challenges is an upcoming decision that's expected uh, any day now from the United States Supreme Court in a case called Janus versus AFSCME Council 31. That will nationalize right to work. We'll explain later on what right to work really means. But what it will do is allow workers to essentially quit their union, uh, but still force unions to represent the workers. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about Janus and how we're preparing for it, but what it really means? Yes. So the, the Janus decision you know, from the Supreme Court is, is not going to be helpful to unions at all. It's, it's backed by corporate, wealthy, special interest groups who are looking to strip the rights of union workers and their ability to have representation. Uh, the decision is not about, uh, you know, in the old days you would look at the Supreme Court and they would make a legal binding decision. And this one's about special interest. They're not voting based on the law. They're, they're voting, voting based on politics. 
and that's what's what's scary. When it Abood passed, which this decision is taking over, um, that decision was unanimous, and now you know we're in a decision where it's politics, and and it's going to go five to four, most likely against us, and the unions are going to be forced to backtrack. We've we've learned from other states, Iowa, for example, that is dealing with things like this, that it's not the end of the world. We're not going anywhere. Um, you know, in many cases, I think it's just going to make us work harder, which might actually, you know, bring some serendipity to it where we gain more from it than we started. As you say, though, it is an effort by by corporate and extraordinarily wealthy special interests, a lot of dark money groups and groups like the National Right to Work Foundation uh, that are actually funding this lawsuit. And, you know, the case really has nothing to do with protecting the free speech or First Amendment rights of union members. It's clearly been identified and several uh, media have reported it as such. It's an effort to defund and defang uh, the labor movement and labor unions. Yeah, clearly the you know the amount of money that they're spending on this campaign is not because they want to put six or seven hundred dollars back into our union members' pockets. The if they were that concerned about it, they could just give that money to them and we'd be happy with it. Um, the truth of it is, they're trying to take away the rights that the union workers have, and we're trying to explain to you know our our members that your dues are an investment. Okay, and that investment allows the union to negotiate for you in a fair level playing field that, you know, in many cases, a neutral party will decide what's fair at the end. So these special interest groups are looking to end that and sort of lopsided it where they have the members have no union to represent them. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty simple about what would happen if a member is not represented versus a member that is represented. You know, you mentioned uh, Iowa, and what, what Jody's talking about in Iowa, Iowa's actually been a right-to-work state since 1947. However, the recent takeover of uh, the governor's office as well as the entire, uh, both chambers of the legislature, has led to the passage and the enactment of some terrible anti-labor laws. And we've also seen Wisconsin with the infamous Act 10 and Scott Walker. So clearly one of the challenges you're facing, Jody, is... Um, making sure that we have a legislature and legislation and laws that protect and preserve the rights of uh, workers to come together and improve their lives. The Council for AFL-CIO, we're going to work very hard to get members elected that represent the values that, that we hold. We're looking to you know, stop the special interest money coming in to, to attack our employees. We're looking to show that our employees are not this you know, dark, evil, highly paid, underworked employees. They're hardworking people that work at, you know, DMV, DSS, social services, uh, they, corrections. You know, they're the, the public works people. They work in higher education. These are people that are hardworking people just like uh, the cross-section of the, you know, they are a cross-section of the state of Connecticut. They're no different than their neighbors that live next to them. But they're being vilified you know, by by some up at, at the LOB and, like, we're taking everything and we're not giving back. And we've given a lot, you know. You're over, referring to, for example, the state employee concessions, which are in the billions. Correct. And, and we're not looking for ridiculous raises. We're trying to just promote the middle class. Mm-hmm. And 
again, when you have a union, you do earn better wages, have uh, decent health care and pension. Uh, those are virtuous things because it seems to me that having a union membership means that you can, you're a little better able to participate in the economy. It's kind of a Main Street versus Wall Street thing. Yeah, I make it pretty clear to my members that if, you know, if a bottle of Coke costs you $2, then that's $2 out of your pocket. If a bottle of Coke costs a dollar, then that's a dollar out of your pocket. Where does the extra dollar go when it's a $2 bottle? It goes to the top of the Coke, you know, the owner of the Coke company, and they're making all the profits and the, the people at the bottom. So it's Coke, it's, it's, you know, gas in your car, it's tires, laundry detergent, soap, food, the basic things there. So when the rich are getting richer, it's actually hurting the poor. And everybody else. Yeah. Jody, I know you've got your work cut out for you, um, but we uh, are, are wishing you well. We're wishing you success. We'll have you on periodically on the podcast and talk about the, uh, the fights and the challenges ahead. But, again, congratulations. And we're going to be back on Council 4 Unplugged with further discussion. I'm Larry Dorman. Stay tuned. Back on Council 4 Unplugged, I'm Larry Dorman, and alongside me are Brian Anderson and Zach Levy. They are our legislative and political coordinators for Council 4. They do a terrific job. And, guys, I wanted to talk about a Supreme Court case, a Supreme Court decision that came out Monday, uh, April 20, uh, May 21st, I should say. And it's a case called Epic System versus Lewis, and very disturbing decision that came from the Supreme Court. And uh, either of you want to weigh in a little bit about it? Well, I think that this shows, you know, that the the attacks on workers, you know, especially in the long and short of this uh, case, is that it prevents workers from banding together uh, for the for class action lawsuits where they would be able to uh, recoup damages and, and stuff like that instead of having to individually go to arbitration. And I think that this shows uh, really that kind of corporate conservative push uh, uh, in 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 the Supreme Court system that's also following the legislature, because you know. When we had a president that then appointed the fifth justice after the vacancy, you know, when it was Neil Gorsuch instead of uh, Justice uh, Merrill Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justice Merrick Garland, uh, that this is now these kind of anti-union attacks and anti-worker attacks really gain steam because now they have the backing of a majority of the Supreme Court. And Brian, I want you to comment as well because, it, and for those of you who don't follow uh, Brian and Zach on Facebook, you should. Uh, they provide some really good and pointed commentary and political commentary on what's happening. And Brian, I noticed on your Facebook page you had posted an article about the decision, and you said it, this is another example of, of corporations and the wealthy driving down the wages and quality of life for regular working people. Yeah, it, Zach's absolutely right about this case. It's a terrible case. And it, it just goes to show that corporate CEOs are constantly in search of the lower wage. And if they uh, have to create that lower wage by beating people down, they're more than willing to do that. I think it's interesting in this case that Justice Ginsburg, who's an 83-year-old pro-worker justice, took the rare step of literally reading her five-page dissent because this case was so outrageous. Uh, prior to this case, say 10,000 workers who got cheated on their uh, overtime could band together and hire a lawyer and have a lawyer win for them in court and win back millions of dollars. But now, every one of those 10,000 workers would individually have to go to arbitration or hire a lawyer individually individually 
Now, no lawyer is going to be able to handle a case where an individual worker lost five, $6,000. Doesn't pay enough. Those people are going to be totally ripped off, and it shows even more so the power of unions because uh, it, the Supreme Court just shut the court door on these workers. And I think that's also important to say is that uh, you know, not only can can the lawyers not take that case, a lot of times these workers, uh, the ones being exploited, are often low wage, uh, often workers that uh, wouldn't be able to, def- to to afford a lawyer. So the only way, the only reasonable way, is for them to join in with other workers in a class action lawsuit. And of course, the CEOs in the corporate lobby knows this, so they know that if they can pick off one by one, you know, the like the union saying, "Divided we fall," you know, "United, united we conquer." Uh, but this also shows how entrenched these kind of corporate uh, conservative uh, uh, lobbying groups have gone because the only way to overturn or to change a Supreme Court ruling is to then have a, a Congress, the act of Congress, make a law that would then be able to get around it. And with this majority in Congress, uh, the odds of that happening are also very low. Slim to none with uh, none in the lead. Um, you mentioned before, Zach and, and Brian, that uh, this is – and I'll paraphrase, this is essentially not a legal decision, just as Janus will not be, Janus versus AFSCME Council 31. These are not legal decisions. They are clearly political decisions. Would either of you care to comment? Yeah, this is the most politicized Supreme Court we've had, Larry, in decades. It's very easy to predict uh, how they're going to vote. There is a five-member conservative majority that just uh, follows no philosophy. They just pick who they want to win. Uh, For instance, with Janice, what will be decided when we lose this case in June is that even uh, people who don't pay for a service will get a free service uh, from a union. This conservative philosophy basically has gone against that and said, hey, if you're not paying, you shouldn't be able to, to freeload. This case is specifically designed to destroy unions by allowing uh, people to get union services for free, or at least theoretically. Of course, when people don't pay their dues in mass, unions will fall apart. But uh, the follow-up that will happen after the Janus case is particularly disturbing. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what if you look at what has happened in states that have gone right to work is that they have directly done it to affect unions' ability to talk to their members, to get them to support candidates uh, that are pro-labor or pro-union, uh, that support workers' issues. And that is really the, the, the danger. There's two sides to this coin, which is one side, you know, Janice won't kill us. It is incumbent on all of us and all of our members to stick together, to talk to their brothers and sisters, and to know this is not a death sentence. It is merely making it much harder for us to exist, but it's never been easy for unions to exist. If you look throughout the, the years in labor history, it has always been this constant struggle. And even though they might knock us on our backs with this, we can get up and keep fighting as long as we're active. And in Connecticut, especially, we do the right thing to allow a legislature that gets elected that is more pro-union, more pro-worker, better on our issues in both the House and the Senate so that we don't have what happened in Wisconsin, we don't have what happened in Iowa, we don't have what happened in Michigan, that we're able to avoid that and keep workers protected. 
uh, at the legislative level, despite what Janice is coming in and despite the challenges that we're going to face internally as a union. Well said, Brian, we have less than a minute left. Left. You get the last word. I just like to say there's like Zach said, there's a lot of hope out there. You can beat down the labor movement, but you can't kill it. Every dictator who ever was tried to kill the labor movement. Uh, basically, you can suppress it, you can strangle it, but the labor movement is unkillable. As always, well said by Brian Anderson and Zach Levy. I'm Larry Dorman. You've been listening to another Council for Unplugged podcast. Thanks for listening in. Uh, you can catch us on our, follow us on our website at www.council4.org. On Facebook at Council for AFSME, that's A-F-S-C-M-E. You can also follow us on Twitter at AFSMECT. Four, all capitals, AFSME, CT4. So until our next Council for Unplugged podcast, please stay well. We'll see you soon.